This is Southern New Hampshire's home for the Boston Red Sox on ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua. on here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. Justin Sullivan working the boards. One hour down, two to go. Unfortunately, we won't be talking to Chris Price in this segment as we had planned. Something came up for him, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on another time this week uh, to discuss all the Patriots news because there is plenty going on today. In case you missed it, uh, Marcus Cannon has (laughs) signed a five-year extension. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people criticizing this. I've got no problem with yeah. it. Yeah, I, I don't. Okay, I don't have a problem with it because I agree with you. This has been a problem for this team for a while. My thing with Marcus Cannon is he's been so either on, like he is this year. He's either on fire or he's horrible. Mm-hmm. He's horrible, and I've I've coined his name to Marcus Cannot because he just cannot block anybody <laughs> half the time. Really, last year he was Marcus Cannot. This year he's been very good, but five years. Five years, and I, I do take into consideration what Christian said in the crossover. Dante Hightower. Mal- Malcolm Butler eventually is going to be up here. Uh, they're not. They're, there's been no talk at all. I haven't heard a, a well, sniff. We don't know that. I haven't heard a sniff right. about but Dante as Hightower. As far as we know. You know, and that, that's, that scares me a little bit. You know, and that the whole locker room thing and the trickling down and all this talking. And now that's, oh, that's Jabal Sheard and Jamie Collins. And I agree with you. Jamie Collins is a different situation. It's more of him being a jerk more than anything. But. That, you know, Mark. You see Marcus Cannon getting a deal, and you see you see that as Dante Hightower saying, "Well, all right. So, am I really not going to get a deal? Is this really not going to happen? Are we even? Are we even? Yeah, like you said, we don't know if they're having conversations, but that it just doesn't look right to me. It, yeah. it doesn't look right that Marcus Cannon's getting priority, quote unquote, over well, a Dante Hightower. I mean, I mean, maybe that, maybe maybe, me maybe Bill Belichick sees the defense a lot different than we see it. He, he has to if he was willing to there is cut a, ties. There's with, a legitimate possibility yeah. that they're not going to sign any of them. Like that, 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 and, and that you're right. That, that scares me a little bit. But maybe he's got some yeah. other plan. I you just, never know. He always does. He it's, always it's does. Like the, it's like the Darrell. But I think it's. it's you, you see, I think you're very. It, you, know? you make great points, and and it's definitely something that can be questioned. Uh, just for our listeners, uh, Marcus Cannon contract five years, thirty two point five million. Uh, fourteen point five of that is guaranteed per Albert Breer 
of Monday morning quarterback. Uh, also, too, I didn't realize this about uh, Cannon. Uh, pretty much a, a a story of perseverance, this guy. Uh, he was selected in the fifth round of the 2011 NFL draft out of TCU. Yeah. He may have been picked higher if not for a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis prior to the draft. Cannon then beat cancer and has been a utility lineman for much of his career, spending time at tackle, guard, and center. He started 19 games over his first five seasons before being inserted into lineup as a full-time starter this year uh, because of the injury to Sebastian Vollmer. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Wow. That's a good, good story. Him, man. That's a good, good story. Stuff. He's playing well, really, you know. I, I've, I've given him plenty of crap over you know last year, especially with the Von Miller, like Christian said in the crossover, you know, a turnstile, just you know, spinning around in circles. Marcus cannot, but he's played well this year, and the line has played significantly well this year. I don't know if that's the line improving or if that's Dante Scarnecchia taking over and basically bringing them back to what what they were beforehand. You know, right? But that's it's good. You need it. You need absolutely need a line, especially with Tom Brady and his age. He he's bouncing off of every single one of these hits. But it only takes one, and and I'm I'm just sitting here cringing every time he goes down, thinking when when is that one hit from a Von Miller or you know a Khalil Mack or an edge rusher that that really ends it because Tom is he's he's old. Sorry, he's old. You know, and he's in great health, but it only takes one hit. It only takes one bad hit for it to really be over. The Cam Chancellor, you name it. So you absolutely you yes, protect you, him. You could have you. I can you know it, I can see it from both sides. Here's here. the other thing, and the one thing Belichick's been. Very consistent with, as opposed to some other GMs slash coaches, what have you, okay? Yeah. Belichick never gives the money ahead of time before you've earned it. Yes. Okay? He rewards hard work, and he discredits poor work and, and lack of work. He, You don't... You don't get playing time. AKA, you playing time will do too. That's it. Okay, Jamie Collins to Cleveland. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Or what's his name there? Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Bye bye. Yeah. Jamal, you, Jamal Shear, you, you're you, not going on a you, trip. You want to trip and show up at the police office naked? <laughs> See you later. You know, at the police station naked. Then yeah, you, you you're likely not going to get another contract yeah. here in New England. Cannon, yes. from all accounts, is a pretty his, hard worker. He's worked. Has hard. worked his way into the lineup, and when, Absolutely. when finally given a chance to be a starter. Delivered. Yes, he has delivered. Now, are you going to tell me that you've been happy with Tim Hightower every uh, – is it Tim? No. Dante. Dante. I always get them confused. <laughs> Tim's the running back yeah. in uh, New Orleans. Dante Hightower, are you going to tell me that he's been awesome every game? No, I'm not going to say he's Because been awesome. some games he's been horrible, I some think. Some games he's been He's non- been very up and down this some year. Some games he's been non-existent, which is never a good Which thing is rare for a player playing for a contract. Playing for a contract, playing middle linebacker. So you I'm should, looking you should at, be in on every if play. If I'm Bill Belichick, right, and I'm looking at this, and, and I am obviously have a track record. I'm, I'm big on character. I'm yes. big on hard work. I've got some red flags going on. Yeah. Because most guys – and. and and I don't like it, but this is usually the case in sports. I see it in hockey all the time. I think Louis Erickson was a perfect oh, example last year. It, yes. Most guys in contract a contract year. year play out of their minds. Yeah. I'm going to score every single so goal I possibly So here you've got these guys, yeah. which is pretty much every guy that's up for a contract on defense this year. Yeah. It sucked. Yeah. Yep. The only one. I that, mean, when it comes down to it, they've not been good. The only one I could say that's been okay Butler. Is, is Butler. And Butler's not. And no, he's been better than okay. And, I, I, and I, mean, I apologize. I shouldn't have yeah. included him in there. Butler's been awesome. Yeah. 
and he and he's not even. It's not even a true contract here. He's a restricted free agent. That's, I'm talking you know, about the unrestricted. The free unrestricted, agents. unrestricted guys. All the UFAs. Two of them who, are gone, and one of them hasn't like, played well. Like Justin, you're talking like guy, like when guys are, are UFAs, they could be like third string guys, and yeah. they'll play like first string guys, Absolutely. like superstars. Louis Erickson nailed yeah, it. There you go, Louis Erickson. Scoring, What's he done in Vancouver? He's got like two goals. Scoring in everything off his butt. Any, any yeah. way it could go in, it went in for him last year. Exactly. And and, and good on the Bruins for realizing that yes. was the case that yes. he wasn't going to play that and way I was every scared year. Scared they weren't. All right, that's what I think Bell. Check is seeing with yeah. his defense right now. He's saying, I'm not going to lock up all my money in you yeah. and all my years in you yeah. if you're not going to deliver on the most crucial year of your career. Yes. Like, if anything, if you're not doing it for, for your team, which I hope you are, yeah. you would at least think you'd be doing it for your own incentive. Absolutely. And yeah. they're not doing that. So that's a red flag to me. The, the other thing that I think people forget, too, they've already won a Super Bowl. Hightower's got a ring. Yeah. Jamie Collins has a ring. They're complacent. Chandler Jones has a ring. Complacency. They don't need another ring. He, they're not. They're not chasing rings. It's not like a oh, let's and go. And Belichick let's doesn't go want to, that. Let's go to New England and I'll win a ring and it'll be nice. It'll be the great end. Of my, no, they're they want a ring in their first year. Their and first I'm contract. Sorry. I'm with they're Belichick. They're about money now. I'm know? with Belichick. I want players that want to win yes. every year, like Brady. And I, and I agree with that. I, I want to win a championship I every year. Agree with that. But Life I, is short. But I also think if you take Dante Hightower off of this defense. They're even. Well, it they're what, even you, what you bring in. in they're the even worse than they are. Yeah, it you, depends what you're bringing if, in and what you draft. And Bill has a plan. Bill always has a plan, and I exactly. In Bill, we trust. I get that. I, but, but that's scares, not. That, that's not to say, like we yeah. said the other day. I think it's fair to question. I think there's. there's I'm definitely, absolutely going to question him. Yeah, on this there's, one. there's warranted criticism here. Yeah. But I'm just trying to put myself in Bill's shoes right now, and that's the way I think he's seen it. I'm not saying that's right. Though I do think it's right to question a guy that in a contract year doesn't deliver. Absolutely, yeah. If and, and I really, I, I think I that's really, kind of weird. I really think it's not. Getting what does that ta- show about his his character? His character. It's yeah. it's not getting talked about a lot. They've already won yeah. rings. They've already won a ring. You know, they don't. Yeah. They're not chasing a ring anymore. That that lore of you know Patriot Place and the Patriot Way that that doesn't matter to them anymore. Yeah, they, they need their money. This is their first big contract, especially Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins was a second round pick. He's Did made, they not realize you, were, you win made, another ring, though? If you, if you come to yes. the negotiating table with two rings, yeah, I know. you're going to yes. get more money. Absolutely. But, you know, at, at this point, that, that whole lore of, you know, we'll, we'll go with Bill and Bill will coddle us and we'll turn us into a mold of a ring, you know, that's not a thing yeah. for them. They, they, especially Jamie Collins. He was a second-round pick. He's only made $900,000. Like, he doesn't have, you know, not that that's something to scoff it, but for an NFL player, he hasn't made money yet. And this is his real opportunity to go out and make his big contract. So I get from their perspective, but... Yes, this is this they is need, looking interesting. They right need now. to treat it like you treat your NFL picks. <laughs> you kick my you know what every week, but you still you don't let up. Yeah. You've had some off weeks <laughs> recently, but you, you came back this week and you won with the over under last yeah, night. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> uh, and by the way, I, I've been critical of him all year and I'll continue to be because I just don't like the guy and I don't think he's even in the stratosphere of Tom Brady. He played well. But Aaron Rodgers was awesome last night. He played well. He played well. He, it just, you know, you know, and it, the, the only thing that's one I, thing I, I, you know, we pride our show yeah. on, man. We're going to tell it like it is, and, and we're going to give credit where it's due, especially in the and we're going to give criticism night. where it's due. And, and Aaron Rodgers delivered for his team last night. The the thing that people and you hear here at National all the time, and it, I, I'm not for the whole. Oh, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback, you know, and the the pumping him up, but 
the rest of his team is pretty bad. Like the rest of his team was pretty bad these it's last true. couple of weeks, you know, and and he played well, you know, and not that he was carrying his team, but, on, not that he's a leader. Exactly. Not last that, night he led. Yes, exactly. Last night he carried. La, you know, it's last not, night he had he it, Tom Brady. He he didn't have that leadership, early, right? You know, and, because and how many times have we seen Tom Brady have carried. to carry his team? Look, he did it last. He did it on it, Sunday. Exactly. He did it on Sunday. He all right, them, so that's why you know? I just couldn't understand. I, I don't. I don't want to hear all the excuses. He doesn't have a running back. His defense stinks. Yeah. Show you up. looked at the Patriots lately? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. So the Packers are now two touchdowns, you know? five and six. They're not done yet. You look at the Detroit Lions schedule, uh, not too easy. And the Packers are going to get another shot at them head-to-head. So they still got a chance to win that division and make the playoffs, which shows you how pathetic the <laughs> NFC is. Um, but you end up winning because it did go under there. Uh, we both had the Eagles, but... The total score ended up being 40 points as the Packers won 27-13. By the way, that Carson Wentz uh, factor, that whole, you know, early in the season, he was supposed to be this top. I'm not that impressed. I'm really not. I'm. I, he looks he, like a rookie now. He, 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 I'm not that impressed, you know, and I I understand, and I think uh, Gabe met, nailed it yesterday, the check down, check down king, you know. Yeah. A- everything last night was, all right, let me read it. One look. If I don't got it, I throw it to the checkdown guy, and th- which is which is fine. That's yep. that's absolutely great. But everyone in the beginning of this year, when he got off to that hot You're start, right, Gabe nailed it there. Was talking about how great he was going to be. You, you know, know? What, you know what he doesn't have, and it scares me. And I don't think just think it's a rookie thing. When it, when a quarterback's doing that, it he doesn't have that instinct. Yeah, it's, he's too dependent on game the, on on systems on structure and, and on he's structure, structure and on analytics and stats and where the guys u- usually are he doesn't have the improv he, he doesn't have the improv skills, the you know? adap- adaptation that that a, a quarterback needs i mean the amount of times i had to listen to john gruden say look at the check down he, he nailed that check down and the cross so what i don't want him nailing the check down. Exactly. i like, want him nailing like, the play that wasn't I'm, there i'm sorry this is creating. so boring i don't need to listen to you tell me about the crossing route and the check down to the run i don't I care want him nailing the play that wasn't there that yeah. he created exactly he made happen and i i don't think he has that by the Way, I was I've very never, unimpressed and, last night. And it's, it's crazy to say this, and you might completely disagree with me. This might sound outrageous, but this year, more than ever, I have never seen Tom Brady a- adapt and create. Oh, no, I agree. He's, and change on the fly as much as he has. Like, he's been Mr. Twinkle Toes out I, there scrambling. I, to- I told you, and I said it, and I, I stick with it. He's been borderline, it's like, he's been borderline mobile it's like this year. It's like he's getting... He's getting more mobile as he gets older. Exactly. He's been borderline mobile this year, which is, is – that's I'm dumbfounded. How do you get to age it, it 40 plus go and, you're, and you're more mobile? Evolution. That makes no sense. Yeah, it's insane. The avocado, ice, all of it, I'm I'm on board. I get it. Whatever. No no strawberries, no tomatoes. Yep. The avocado, give me – because I want to be that mobile when I'm 39 plus years old. Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. He's, a mo- he's become mobile. The play he made to – to Mitchell two weeks ago in San Fran, where he steps up in the pocket, ducks a guy, run, takes a couple steps, runs ago. up, and throws a 56 a yards. Are you kidding me? Mobile. Un- I, it's unreal. I can't believe it. Unreal 39 stuff. years old. Uh, just got another email here from the Weather Channel, as I was saying earlier. The weather's bad. Um, yeah. Just turn around. If so you, I can see guys, it. if you're driving right now or if you plan on driving in the next you know, three to four hours, uh, just take it easy. Don't rush. Listen to us. Kick back. Have a few laughs. You're a hockey fan. Just pull over. I Don't just, even worry about driving right now. The group chat right now. You got you got a, right you now. got a great guest coming on right now on the stretch run on here in ESPN New Hampshire. In our next segment, we will welcome on NBC and TSN hockey analyst, the man between the benches, the man between the glass, Pierre Maguire joins us. So stay with us. We'll be back. And he drank down my last swallow. 
any bum cigarette, any bum that liked. The night got deathly quiet, and his face lost all expression. He said, if you're gonna play the game, boy, you better learn to play it right. Cause every gambler knows that the secret to survival is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to You're listening to The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, right here on ESPN, New Hampshire. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. I am speaking with Patrick Gillis, Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month of October from Exeter High School. Patrick, how are you? Good, how are you, Laura? So tell me a little about your experience at Exeter High. You played football mm-hmm. four years there. So it's been a really good experience, both academically and uh, with sports. Like We have... I would say one of the best football programs in the state. I'm constantly making playoffs year after year. And then academically, I've had like multiple options with um, pursuing kind of like the interests I have. So I've had uh, lots of different science classes and I'm looking to go into engineering in the future. So I've been able to go over to the Seacoast School of Technology and take engineering classes over there. Nice. Where are you looking to go to college? I've applied to some local schools and then some farther ones too. I'd say probably my first choice would be George Tech. I've also applied to UNH and Clemson and um, some other local schools that better specialize in engineering. How do you maintain a GPA of 4.92 and also maintain football and National Honor Society, National Honor Technical Society, class treasurer, uh, co-president of Students Against Bullying? Like, how do you maintain all these things? Pretty much every morning and early mornings having a meeting before class. And there's a lot of support from, like, my family and the teachers, too, to strive to do well. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware folks. We just bought a fixer-upper, and I don't know where to begin. So I went to see Paul at our neighborhood Ace. I told Nate we have everything he needs to help him repair their home, from a wide selection of paint colors, craftsman tools, and the best lawn and garden brands. Ace is a place with exactly what you need, starting with help. Ace Hardware now is a brand-new store in Nashua on Pearl Street downtown. That's right, a brand-new Ace Hardware store in tax-free Nashua, New Hampshire. Nashua Ace Hardware is a division of Nashua Wallpaper. The money-saving tip. Coming at you with another money-making tip. How to save money effectively. Tired of overpaying for stuff? Then head to ESPNNHradio.com and check out the ESPN New Hampshire deals page. You can save up to 50% on deals from all your favorite local businesses and restaurants. Why pay full price when gift cards and gift certificates are only a few clicks away? So start saving now by going to ESPNNHradio.com and checking out the new ESPN New Hampshire deals page. You're welcome. You've probably heard me talk about this sleep number bed, how it's changed the way I sleep. My sleep number is 60. I've had the bed for over six years now. This bed, this mattress, has helped improve the lives of close to 8 million people. Sleep number's done it again, though. they got something called dual temp. It's a revolutionary temperature balancing layer with active air technology. The dual temp can be added to any mattress, even if you don't have a sleep number bed. 
Active Air Technology heats or cools each side with a simple touch of a button. From head-to-toe comfort, just like the Sleep Number bed, it's dual-sided, so you can select the ideal temperature and sleep exactly the way you would like. Only one place in the world where you're going to find the dual-temp layer. That's a Sleep Number store near you. Tell them I sent you. Right now, they got great innovations there. they got sales going on as well. Up to $800 off Sleep Number, Memory, Foam, and iSeries bed sets. There's 400 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one near you by calling 1-800-SLEEP-25. 1-800-SLEEP-25. It's your business in search of commercial property. Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com. Every big sports moment can be heard right here on ESPN New Hampshire. Classic is shot. Down in front, picked up by Crosby. Lobbed down the ice. And the Pittsburgh Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Flips to Jacobs. Three for the win. It's good. It's the three to win the National Championship. Steps back, puts up a three. Won't go. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. We've got it all here. This is ESPN New Hampshire. Be a part of the show and text in on our new text line at 845-827-1250. When the wind blows wild at night, does the breakers melancholy? If you stand in the dark with your ears to the wind, you could hear the sons of Molly. Deep in the dark of the old mine shaft, you can smell the smoke and the fire. And the whisper low from the mine below is the ghost of Molly McGuire. Well, I tell you, boys, Mickey Doyle is my name, and I come from Carlin County. And they shot the Sends it toward the net, Ben has it far side, back to the blue line, Honka. Now Alexiak, his shot, they score! It goes off Petrangelo, and in. Play, Tarasenko goes to the front, instead of Laterra. The Tarasenko shot, he scores! Game winner! That's a good Here's Tavares, off the bench. Jamie won't pull the trigger, looks for another angle. Tip by Hickey, scores! It's Thomas Hickey, and the And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy. I had to play my friends, the Peelers from Montreal, sons of Molly McGuire, since we're bringing on a McGuire right now, from NBC and TSN. Joining me now is one Pierre McGuire. How are you, Pierre? Good, James. How are you? I'm great, my friend. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. Thank you very much. It was uh, delightful to have family and friends. Lots of people down from Canada and Connecticut, where we live, and some people from across the border in New Jersey, but we had a bunch of people. We had a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. And did you get to take in any of the college hockey over at MSG? Uh, I did not. I was actually uh, in some other hockey venue. <laughs> so, uh, I'm aware of what happened there with Cornell winning. Um, but I had a chance to watch a lot of hockey, and I worked on Friday with Eddie Olchuk and Doc Emmerich down in Philadelphia on the uh, Flyers and the Rangers Oh, game. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a heck of a game. The Rangers are starting to... 
Really look good there. But I want to actually tell you, we were talking to uh, UNH head coach Dick Umilly earlier. And he oh, was telling- what, a great man. what a great hockey man. I've known yeah. Dick probably 35 years. I uh, spent a lot of times in different rinks with him around North America, and he has done a phenomenal job in terms of creating a great legacy uh, up at the University of New Hampshire. And uh, my boy was up there not this past summer, the summer before at the USA Regional Camp, and Dick's just built a phenomenal, phenomenal program he there. Really... Right after Charlie Holt and everything the great Charlie Holt did, Dick's done a phenomenal job. Yeah, he has, and they're getting ready for two big games against UMaine. And uh, one of their guys they have now, I don't know if you've had a chance to see him play. He's not drafted yet, but he's leading the league amongst freshmen uh, with 11 goals. He's leading the nation right now is Patrick Grasso. Have you seen him play yet? I have not. I've heard a lot about him. I have not. I'm looking forward to seeing more and more college hockey as we get into it. I've seen a lot of Harvard. I've seen a lot of BU. I've seen a lot of BC. I've seen some Cornell. I've seen some St. Lawrence. I'm looking forward to seeing you know, as many as I can um, until we get to about January 1st, Jimmy, and then and then my schedule gets a little crazy. Oh yeah, you got. Are you doing now? What outdoor games are you doing? Now I've got year? all the outdoor games. Oh my gosh! Back to back, Toronto and Detroit, and then the next day I'll be in Bush Stadium in St. Louis for uh, Chicago and St. Louis. It never gets old. I also have the privilege of doing Pittsburgh and Philadelphia in February at Heinz uh, Field, which is it never gets old at Heinz Field. It's an awesome venue. That's awesome stuff. Hey, speaking of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, what a start Sidney Crosby is off to, Pierre. And I was looking at his stats, and uh, it's just amazing what he's done considering he missed basically the first two weeks of the season uh, with the concussion there. But it got me thinking, you know, because we're here in New England and it's all a lot of talk about the Patriots and what Tom Brady has done and, and how, in essence, that suspension uh, for four games uh, really helped him because it, it you know, it gave him a little more rest than usual. And considering that the Penguins came off the Stanley Cup and you, you have that usually inevitable cup hangover there. Do you think, in essence, that, that, that two weeks could have helped him a little bit more and helped him get off to this start? Well, the other thing you have to remember, he's coming in with the fatigue factor of the World Cup. Well, that's right. So I think all put together, you're seeing some guys that, that really started well that played in the World Cup because they had a bit of an advantage. Now they've kind of hit the skids a little bit. So your point is even more magnified. That extra 10 days coming off the World Cup – I think has really helped him uh, continue to be really strong, whereas some of the other players, and you can look at even Connor McDavid, who start, who's leading the league in scoring, started out unbelievably, kind of hit the wall, and now is bouncing back again. Um, I think there's some guys that you know didn't have the luxury of having those 10 days that Sid had, and that's helped them a lot. And, of course, uh, Boston fans love the fact that Sid was teamed up with two of their favorite players, Patrice Bergeron <laughs> and Brad Marsh. And, I mean, the the chemistry they formed there, uh, was unreal, Pierre. And I know you're a big fan of Bergeron and Marshan. Um, you probably weren't as surprised as many others there. But tell the listeners here why you think they blended so well with Sid. Well, the first thing I can tell you, I go back to Sidney and Patrice in the 05 World Junior in Grand Forks, North Dakota, Jimmy. And that's the best team Canada ever sent. And they did a tap dance on the Russians that had Ovechkin and Malkin playing on the same team. Wow. In fact, to the point where they knocked Ovechkin out halfway through the second period, uh, with a shoulder injury, the hitting was just ferocious. It was Dion Phaneuf, Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby with three hellacious hits on Ovechkin in the 05 World Junior. But the line at the World Junior that dominated for Canada was Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, and a guy by the name of Corey Perry. 
Oh, yeah? Pr- pretty good line. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, so now what you've done is you've basically taken a slower and skillful Corey Perry and put on a skillful and very fast and very determined Brad Marchand onto that line, and you see how it just flourished. Oh. It was just unbelievably overwhelming and omnipresent the entire tournament at the World Cup. So I wasn't surprised. As you said, I know the players pretty darn well, those two players in particular from Boston, and uh, I'm not surprised they thrived playing with Crosby. Now, Pierre, you know Brad over the years has been one of these players that has always uh, walked the line in terms of, you know, not crossing it, not uh, laying a hit from behind or having to be careful. Sometimes he's crossed it and, and gotten into trouble for it, but he's really, I thought, he's learned a lot over the years and matured, but I thought there was a turning point, at least in my eyes, it came last year at the Winter Classic when he was suspended. And I sat in front of him in the press box there covering that game, and I just remember looking up as he's watching the Bruins just get humiliated by the Canadians in a grand stage there at Gillette Stadium. And just the the look on his face, and I went up to him after off the wreck, and I said, you know, obviously you're not happy, but I haven't seen you look this like upset, and he said, "Well, I completely let my team down, and I I really feel that, and I never want to feel this way again. And I feel like since that moment, he's really become uh, not just a contributor and, and a solid player in his team, but an NHL superstar." I think there's a lot of merit to what you just said, Jimmy. And I look at it and I think back to the tutelage that he, you know, thrived under from Mark Recchi during the Cup run in '11. You know, I was doing all the games between the benches, and I could hear the subtle coaching from Mark and Patrice towards Brad during that time. I think back to the 07 Super Series, Canada's best under-20 players against Russia's best under-20 players. Milan Lucic was the leader of that team for mm-hmm. Team Canada. Marshan was on the team, and I remember him getting sat out of Game 8 in Vancouver, basically benched. I think that really helped him early in his career, learning about the discipline you have to have, then learning from Bergeron Recchi during the 11 Cup run, and that suspension you talked about. Those three things, I think, have done more to help him than anything you can imagine. But the other thing that I really respect him for, a lot of guys get the big money and they take some time off. He got the big money and he's playing better. And he's become such a leader out there, yeah, too. I eh? totally agree with you. Yeah, for sure. And you look at that line right now with Pasternick. Uh, Pasternick's another one there who you know, struggled a bit on the two-way play, Pierre. Um, and Claude Julien got a lot of flack, as he always seems to do here. People say he loves to just kill young players' style, and they, they don't really look at what's going on between the lines there. And now he's come back, and he's playing a great two-way game, and he, he's completely credited Julian for really teaching him how to play defense. He, he, he just didn't have it in his game. He said, I wasn't used to this, and, and it struggled a bit, but Claude you know, gave me the chance. Why do people get so upset about uh, Claude and the way he handles that? Because from the way I look at it, you look at the job he did with Marshan, you look at the job he's doing with Pasternick now, I don't understand the flack he gets. I don't either. Um, I've been a pretty staunch defender of his in a lot of different markets, whether it be Montreal or New Jersey or Boston. And um, I think it's a, a tribute to him that he survived as long as he had in one marketplace. Not easy to do. I don't know why that happens, but it's just, you know what, when you sign up, and I coach in the league for a long time, when you sign up for duty as a coach in the league, you got to know that there's going to be a lot of slings and arrows. And if you have thin skin, you probably shouldn't do it. Uh, like anything in the public eye, if you've got thin skin, you probably shouldn't do it. Um, and you can't take things personally. And one of the things I think allows him to survive, he doesn't take a lot personally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's interesting. You bring up Pasternak. And I remember being on, and this is a good story for your listeners. I remember being on a 
playing with the great Michel Bergeron, who he and I were doing the Montreal Canadiens oh, yeah. games. He on the French side, I was doing it on the English side. And I remember him talking to me about a player, and I won't say the player because he's still in the league, but he says, everybody talks about how good he is without the puck. They all talk about how good he is without the puck. How about what he does with the puck? He does <laughs> nothing with the puck. And he says, give me a player that can do something with the puck. I can teach him how to play without it. I want him to do something with it. Yep. And so I watch Pasternak play, and I say, he's pretty good when he has the puck on his stick. Yeah, he's, he's unreal. I mean, he's just got this natural feel around the net, too. And he's, he's hitting, too. He's getting a little physical out there, eh? Uh, yeah, which I think is good, Jimmy, because obviously you learn over time the importance of just creating a little bit of separation with some unpredictable physical play. And I think as you grow up in the league, you learn more and more because you're watching star players have to survive. And one of the ways the elite players really understand how to survive is they're sneaky smart physically. They really are, and that's an important part of the game. For sure. We played a clip there uh, from the Islanders game last night coming in. And I don't know, Pierre, if I was a betting man and I was in Vegas and I was to put down money on which coach would be fired first, Jack Capuano or Gerard Gallant, I, I think I would have lost a lot of money. What the heck is going on in Florida? Uh, they Only they know for sure, but clearly it's a problem between the modern newfangled analytics crowd and the more state and, and, you know, old school boots on the ground type of hockey people and Gerard's in the old school mm-hmm. part of it and Tom Rowe apparently is part of the new school. Um, we'll see how it goes. It's really wrong for people to prejudge what Tommy's going to do as a coach. I worked with Tommy for two years in Hartford when Tommy I was coaching there. He was the yep. assistant GM. So I think it's wrong for people to prejudge. But that being said, and I've spoken with Gerard, I've spoken with his agent, Neil Glassberg, over the last day and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Florida did wasn't done properly. If you want to let a man go, that's fine. Let him go. But do it in a professional manner, not mm-hmm. the way they did it. Um, this reminds me so much of Montreal when they had Pierre Gauthier as their general manager, and they traded uh, Mike Camilleri during a game in Boston. As I was there. Opponent. They didn't even let him on the bench for the yep. third period. That's not what the Montreal Canadiens are all about. So, uh, And the Florida Panthers shouldn't be about firing coaches the way they did Gerard Gallant. You, you know, you bring up this old school versus the new school and the analytics and everything, but what, what confuses me here, Pierre, is a man that they already bumped upstairs, and a lot of people, I think, didn't take it as a promotion. They took it more as a bump, and that's Dale Talon. And, and from what I know, just from people within the Florida organization, people that have worked there and no longer there, but that know Dale well, and just from what I know of him, he was one of these guys who was willing to adopt some of these new philosophies and blend them with the old school and really made a sincere effort to put it all together and apply it to the team. And it seems like the rest of the people there right now and the people that are in charge, they don't want to blend. They just want to go 100% new school. And I don't know if that's necessarily the way to go. And I have nothing – well, I have been pretty critical of analytics, I guess, but – I still think there's obviously a place for it in the game, but I think that nothing can replace the human eye. Nothing can replace knowledge of the game and a feel for the game. And I feel like they might learn this the hard way. Well, you get to see a team a lot in Boston that's really forged an identity as being the big, bad Bruins. Now, are they the same as they were in the 1970s? No, but no team is. The Philadelphia Flyers and Broad Street Bullies aren't the same either Mm -hmm. because times have evolved. That being said, you show me an analytic equation that can create a formula for measuring the size of a man's heart 
or measuring the size of a man's will to block a shot or measuring the size of a man's will to take a hit to make a play or, or uh, playing with the puck in traffic and having the ability to contain it and then make the players around him better. There's no analytic formula for any of those things I just presented to you, Jimmy. And that's why you do have to have the human eye. Sure, puck possession matters. Chances for, chances against, those things matter. Save percentage, those things matter. But, but you, there's still so much in this game. Yeah. Patrice Bruce, I'll give you an example. This is for Bruins fans. Go back to 2011, a real exciting time in the Bruins franchise history. If you were to look at the uh, analytic numbers on Danny Paye, Gregory Campbell, and Sean Thornton uh-huh. during that entire season, I think they graded out in the bottom 15 in the league, the three of them. Well, if you go back to that playoff run in particular and, and you look at game seven, mm-hmm. just look at game seven and the importance of the role players for the Bruins and why they won as handily as they did in Vancouver, Yep, it'll show you why analytics really don't always matter. And look back earlier in that series, Pierre, when uh, when Claude uh, took uh, Sagan out and went back to Thornton, Yep, and and Thornton goes over right in the beginning of the game and just sort of stares down the Vancouver bench, and we all know what happened after that. Every game in Boston was a completely different game than it was in Vancouver. And, well, and the, especially after what Aaron Rome did to Nathan Horton. Exactly. Yep. It changed the whole dynamic of the series. I mean, I was down there between the benches, and you could feel it. You could feel it. So you give me an analytic equation that can, can measure that, and then I think there might be some merit to it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Well, listen, Pierre, before we let you go, I know you know all the prospects around here and you're high in them. Any players we should be keeping an eye on that aren't drafted yet that we can go see maybe in some of the college games or high school games around here? You know what? It's a little, it's a little early to really give you the names, um, and I don't want to put pressure on kids, especially the young ones. Okay, understood. But when we talk again in early January, yep. I will give you a list of names. But I, like I said, I've been really enjoying one, one guy I've really enjoyed, and he's already drafted. He's a Bruins draft pick. I've really enjoyed watching Ryan Donato play at Harvard. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching Alex Kerfoot uh, play at Harvard. Um, uh, you know, there are just so many. All the kids, all the first-rounders in particular, BU, have been great to watch. I've really enjoyed watching them play. So there's a lot of good ones around. There awesome. are, and I, I'm really looking forward to getting into it here. Uh, I have a little boy, as you know, that goes to school up in Boston, so I get up there a fair bit, and I get it. I get around the rinks a lot. <laughs> now, they're over. At, you got a boy over at Belmont Hill, right? Yeah. All right. You tell him be easy on my arrows, okay? <laughs> Saint Sebastian arrows. That's a pretty good rivalry there. Oh, Billy awesome. Burke, my buddy's the headmaster over at Saint Sebastian, so yeah. I used to run hockey school. I was Billy. a graduate there in '93. So <laughs> there you go. All right, Pierre. We appreciate you taking the time. You have a good one. Happy holidays, my friend. Thanks a lot, Murph. Stay in touch, and I look forward to seeing you very soon. All right. Sounds good. That's Pierre McGuire of NBC and TSN, and I'm sure he's getting excited as well. He said about the juniors coming out. The World Juniors are going to be in Toronto and Montreal. I might have to trek up there for some games, Sully. Maybe we'll do a remote show. Remote. We'll do it. We'll do it from McLean's. All right, at Peel Street, and we'll uh, we'll get the World Juniors coverage up there. But hey, listen, stay with us. We're gonna uh, we're gonna switch gears and talk some basketball and look back at the Celtics win last night in Miami with our own Patrick Gilroy here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Down the mines, no sunlight shines. Those pits, they're black. As hell in mud and slime, they do their time at Patty's prison cell, and they curse the day they traveled far, then drown their tears with a jar. So they pray for the Molly Maguire's, their drinkers, their life for their hands. 
text the show from our new text line at 845-827-1250. Isaiah, what a move. You know, they, they were fouling, and I get called for technicals and everything, and I'm just looking around like, what am I doing? I'm not saying anything to the officials, you know, uh, but, you know, we're out here playing, and it's just hard. I'm not making free throws when I usually make them, so it's just really a mixture of everything. Welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Big thanks to Pierre Maguire coming on in the last segment from NBC. That was some good hockey talk. We'll, uh, we'll have that up on Twitter in the next hour. Justin will be posting that from the Stretch Run Twitter page, which of course is at the Stretch Run NH. That's at the Stretch Run NH, and I'll retweet it uh, from my account at Murphy's Law 74. Some great hockey talk there, but we're going to talk some great basketball talk with our good man, Patrick Gilroy of ESPN New Hampshire joining us now. Pat, how you doing? You know, Jimmy, it's good to be with you, man. Yeah, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. We uh, we spent it in the most magical place on earth. We spent uh, Thanksgiving down in Orlando at at Disney World, and uh, you know, just the four of us. We avoided all the extended family because you know that that, that always invites drama, right? So, yep. but you can avoid them. But do it in a way where you're not a jerk because you're just on vacation. I think that works out for everybody. That's no, oh, that's perfect. Good, good strategy there. It's funny, right? Justin, uh, last week, uh, I think, yeah, it was Thanksgiving Eve was the anniversary of the Doug Flutie Hail Mary uh, in Miami, and it so happened I was telling Justin about a story where I actually had a chance to go to that, and I was in Disney World right there. We were uh, yeah. there for Thanksgiving, and it, and it was the day after Thanksgiving in '84. And uh, my uncle called last minute to, uh, you know, put me on a plane and bring me down. And my my mom said, no, I'm not letting you go with a bunch of 30-year-old uh, drunks tailgating. Uh, you're only 10 years old, and I missed the greatest game ever. But uh, <laughs> it happens. Like 30 years later, you're not bitter at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. We'll just, anyhow, uh, speaking of Miami, uh, the Celtics get a, uh, a nice 112-104 win down there over the heat uh they win a game they're supposed to win and i noticed they've been doing that a lot more but before i get into that i want to talk about one of the players that didn't play last night and some in my eyes completely unwarranted um and, and disgraceful criticism he is taking not only on social media but from local sports talk host michael felger on 98.5 the sports hub who criticized Al Horford for missing the game for the birth of his child. 
And I'll read you the quote right now from Felger. He said this, I guess, on the show yesterday prior to the game. Uh, Felger goes on to say, he had the birth of his kid in Atlanta. The game was in Miami. I know when you make $30 million a year, it ain't much to get a private jet. Celtics owner Wick Grosbrick would probably pick it up to fly down at 3 o'clock in Atlanta. It's about a 90-minute flight to Atlanta. Play the game and come right back. He, he went on to say that he had no issues with him, but at the same time, I like my guys to forsake everything for the team. It's a little soft. Just go play the game. Uh, I think Felger should shut up. I think it's classless to say that. It's the birth of his kid, and I, I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes it sickens me what media and social media has become lately, and I'm, I'm interested to get your take. Well, I'm not going to – it's indefensible, right? So this is what – but we know Felger. This is what Felger yeah, does. Yeah, I know. He, he goes, likes to stir the pot. looking for a story. Yep. Exactly. He stirs it up. Then he got uh, it. it, it he's in, because it's on the front page of ESPN Boston. It's everywhere. So mission accomplished, Felger. But, you know, bring it down to our, our little peon world. What I tell my sales reps is that to be successful in life, you need a balance between three things. It's the family – it's work, and it's your personal life, right? Family is at the top of that pyramid. So if he's going to miss a game due to the birth of his kid, that, that's that's not only okay. If you're Wick Grosbeck, because Felder tried that. to bring Wick into it, you want that. Yeah. Because that means he's got his priorities straight. And in a league where these guys have 9, 12, 15 kids by six different women, <laughs> well, then maybe this is exactly what you're looking for, right? Yeah, that's a great point there. And you know what? Hey, we're lucky here to have uh... – well, unfortunately, he'll be leaving at the end of this week, but we've been lucky to work under the great GM, uh, Justin Bassanelli, who I'll tell you, when I had a, a medical emergency, I had just started off here back in August, and uh, you know, I ended up in a hospital for a few days, and he's no problem. I mean, there was nothing. It wasn't even an issue, you know, and he, he was great about it, and that's the type of boss you want, and I'm, I'm glad Gersbeck's like that. I'm glad you're like that. And by the way, Horford's sister, I don't know if you saw it, came flying at Felger on Twitter saying, uh, yeah, Mike Felger, you can F right off. And then, uh, <laughs> and then people started pouring it on as well. And she said, apparently a lot of you guys dislike Felger. Look at us all bonding over unlikable people. So at least he got his. I'm glad to see that. It's just, I'm with you. I know he's just looking for a story, but sometimes his lines cross. But you know what? The fact they went down there, they got a win they were supposed to get without Horford, who... Let's face it, they missed a lot, Pat, and, and when he got back into the lineup, you could see the effect he had. And so for them all of a sudden to have to go without him again kind of raised a few red flags for me. I don't know about you, and I'm like, eh, this might be a lot tougher than we think, but they go down there, they get the job done. They did, and, and you can tell that when he's, when he's in the lineup that they've developed some, some better habits. They've gotten mm-hmm. back into being that great defensive team that they were last year that they sort of made their name on, right? And it was nice to see them carry that over, and I think They'll be able to do that for a game here, a game there. But he's such a, a key part of what they do that, you know, missing him for, for seven, eight games like they did with the concussion, that's when the flaws start to get exposed. But any one of these NBA teams can go without their best player, their second best player, for a game or two if those good habits have been developed and, and that's the way the team is playing. Again, it's the extended periods of absence where those good habits sort of go away because you need to change the style in which you play. It also helped that they played a, a very underwhelming Miami team, right? So right. if you're going to miss uh, Al Horford for a night, that's certainly the game to do it. And what Felger doesn't know, and what we don't know, and it's pure speculation, but if this were April and they were fighting for a home court in the playoffs, and it wasn't Miami, maybe he would have gone to play the game. But because it's Miami, because it's November, 
you know, it just makes a lot of sense for him to miss that game because, like you said to start the segment, it was a winnable game anyways. Exactly. And, and you know an interesting thing, too? This is their fourth straight road victory, uh, and they're now 6-4 and four on the road and only 4-3 and three at home. Not a huge discrepancy there, but an interesting thing because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Bruins guy, I'm a hockey guy, and the Bruins over the last couple of years have really sucked at TD Garden. Like, do, do both teams need maybe switch arenas here and play in a different place? Like, what's going on? Is this TD Garden? Like, these teams can't win at home. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, they were there. They're four and three at home, but the Celtics play a very home-heavy schedule in November because the uh, in October you've got the the circus that comes in. Yeah. November they're home heavy. Then January, February, the Celtics hit the hit the road big time. So November and December they're going to play more games. A lot of those games were played without Al Horford. Don't forget the Celtics started the season. That's a good in point. their first ten games of the season. They missed forty percent of their regular players. Be it. Kelly Olynyk, Al Horford, uh, Marcus Smart, and Jay Crowder for extended periods of time. So that home record is going to take a little bit of a hit. Last year when they were healthy and rolling the second half of the season, they went 18-3 and in their final 21 at the Garden. So I think, I think there's something to the Garden being a good home court advantage. Again, when your team is healthy and right and playing well. Celtics weren't healthy, weren't right, and were developing bad habits, were not playing well. Uh, whether it's because of health or not, for the first three weeks of the season. It's, it's really in these last 10 days or so mm-hmm. that we've seen the team start to return to the form that we got to know them at last year. Good stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely get a more of a, a feel for where they're going to be at home after the next month. Uh, looking ahead, uh, for the schedule right now, uh, do you think this is a time where they can gain some ground? Well, the schedule certainly gets a little bit easier. Uh, there are winnable games up and down the schedule for the next two weeks or so. So, of course, you know, right now I think that considering everything that this team has been through, missing 40% of their roster through the first 10 days or so, 10 games or so, uh, not winning games they should win, uh, the health of Al Horford, all that aside, they came out of it okay. Through 17 games, they're fourth in the conference, which gives you home court advantage come playoff time. They're 10-7. and seven. Uh, I really do believe the next two or three weeks, you'll see this team start to go six, seven, eight, maybe nine games over 500, start to build that cushion and get them closer to projecting out to that 54 to 56 win mark that everybody sort of uh, honed in on to start the season. They're starting to look more and more like that team. And I'll tell you that we talked about Horford. The biggest reason why, and I, I encourage people because this is not my stat, this is not my number, and it's not even my take, but right now through the first 17 games of the season, Isaiah Thomas statistically is having a better campaign than Allen Iverson had during his MVP 2001 season where he took his team to the finals and they got blown up by the Lakers. So things are clicking well for Isaiah Thomas right now. And so goes Isaiah Thomas, so go the Celtics. Exactly. And the answer himself uh, reached out to him uh, telling him to keep it going. So that was pretty cool. Hey, listen, uh, Pat, uh, happy holidays, my friend. We'll get you on down the line, all right? We'll talk to you soon, Jimmy. All right, that's Patrick Gilroy of ESPN New Hampshire joining us here on the stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We're going to switch gears back to hockey and tee up the Bruins Flyers tonight with our good friend Mick Collagio of the New Bedford Standard Times in the next segment. And then we will also talk to John Serenades of xandjoe.com and fansided.com after him. Talk about some of the Patriots news we that Justin and I already went over with the Cannon signing. Want to get in uh, some talk on Gronk, too. And also, the Patriots reportedly set to play the Raiders in Mexico City in 2017. So stay with us. The Stretch Run will be back.